This is In-Ear Insights, the Trust Insights Podcast. Do you want to understand data science better as a marketer? Would you like to learn whether it's the right choice for your career? Do you need to know how to manage data science employees, vendors, agencies? Take the Data Science 101 workshop from Trust Insights. In this 90-minute on-demand workshop, you'll learn what data science is, why it matters to marketers, and how to embark on your marketing data science journey. You'll learn how to build a KPI map, how to explore and analyze Google Analytics data, how to construct a valid hypothesis, the foundation of marketing data science, the basics of statistical concepts like centrality, distribution, regression, and clustering, which if you don't know what those words mean, you will, uh, essential soft skills in data science, and how to hire marketing data science professionals or agencies. The course is on demand, so you can watch it whenever you want. You don't have to be at any place at any time. Uh, and it comes with the videos, the audio recording, PDF of the slides, automated transcript, KPI map example, and a sample workbook with data because this is hands-on. You get to try some of the stuff out. If this sounds good, just head on over to trustinsights.ai slash data science 101. That's trustinsights.ai slash data science 101. In this episode of In-Ear Insights, we are back after a brief hiatus with the world kind of getting settled in. And I thought we talked this week about different applications of SEO. So the big obvious one is customer acquisition. You put up great content, attracts people to your website, they convert, marketing looks great. And that's pretty well established. But I was thinking, uh, based on some recent comments in our uh, free Slack community, Analytics for Marketers, which if you head on over to uh, trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, you can join uh, over 1,500 of the folks uh, talking about this sort of things. But uh, some comments recently about... Um, SEO and customer retention. And I thought this was a really interesting line of thought because it's not something that marketers traditionally think about, uh, certainly when we're creating content. It's not something we measure especially well. Uh, and it's not something that's on a strategic roadmap, even though we know that there's a sizable, and there always should be a sizable percentage of returning users to your website, particularly those are customers. So Katie, when you, when you think about yourself as a consumer, how much do you search for stuff for companies where you're already the customer and you know they're not going to get any revenue out of you immediately, but you know things like the product manual for your blender and things like that. Uh, how much searching do you do as a, as a returning customer? A decent amount. And I think that you know you're right. We don't think about you know SEO for retention. Um, you know, traditionally, in general, broad strokes, we think about SEO as an awareness tool. So that when someone is, you know, searching for something on a search engine, your brand or your products or your things are the thing that pop up so that they can find out about you. But you're absolutely right, Chris, there's that whole other second half of the journey. So, you know, for me as a consumer, you know, I might be looking for reviews of other products that this company might offer or, you know, to your point, like, okay, I, I bought the thing, but it didn't come with instructions or it says, you know, go to our website to get instructions, which to me, first of all, is a terrible user experience. Like just send me the goddamn instructions. Like don't make it difficult. That's a pet peeve of mine, but that's for another day. Um, or, you know, I've had the thing for many years and I forgot how to change the settings on it. Like, you know, how many people have like, you know, regular standard alarm clocks and can't figure out how to change it for, you know, the time zones or the clock in your car. You know, 
it's right half the year, it's wrong the other half of the year because you can't figure out how to change it. So the this long-winded rant is the way of saying, yes, SEO is important for every stage of the customer journey, not just awareness. And that then changes the strategy because you, at the front of that journey, when you're trying to do the awareness, you're trying to do the, you know, how do I and what do I? And now you're trying to think more about the, why do I care about this thing? Why do I need to continue to care about this thing? And, you know, it's not as black and white as like how and what go at the beginning and why it goes at the end. You'll still need a lot of that helpful content, but that helpful content changes in nature. So instead of, you know, what is the best blender? It's how do I use the best blender now that you have the thing? Chris, what are your thoughts on it? Because you've been thinking about this. I think it's, there's two different parts to this. Um, one is obviously the broad search, right? You, if you, particularly if you have a product, because you're right, I have some appliances that like, oh yeah, I, you know, I think that manual got you know recycled by accident. Uh, I have to go and you know search out the manual or like you said, a, a device was, like, oh yeah, I changed this once a year and I can't remember how. Um, but then the other part that I think is really important that people just don't spend enough time on is on-site search, right? What are people searching for on your website? How often are they searching for it? And those search opportunities should be obvious content opportunities, right? Because clearly, if someone's searching for, for example, um, you know, how to pay Trust Insights, you know, like if you're a customer, how do you pay it all? Like, we want them to ask that question instead of you know not paying us. Um, but it's an opportunity. It tells us there's a gap in our site content. If people are searching for something and they can't find it, particularly if they're a returning user, particularly if they're a returning customer, um, we have, almost have an obligation to provide that information to them. If you are a blender company, right? And someone's searching for, you know, you know, wild side jar 750, uh, they couldn't find it. They couldn't, your site wasn't intuitive enough to, to make it obvious for them to go somewhere. So they just went straight to search and, and typed it in. So th there's opportunities there to find content gaps to say like, ah, yeah, we kind of miss, we, we missed the boat on this one. And I would bet because of the attribution problems that we've been having as a, as an industry, um, you will also attract a fair amount of, uh, search to that content from customers that you didn't know were customers because you didn't have analytics data. One of the things I was looking at recently was I was looking at dark search traffic on uh, on my personal website because about 12% of my overall traffic is dark, meaning I have no attribution data. But when I went at correlation analysis between the known channels, it had the strongest correlation, a very strong correlation to search traffic. And there has been this thing in the search marketing industry of there is dark search traffic where you don't have data. So you need to figure out what it is those people are searching for. And it's clearly if somebody is arriving on your site and you don't know who they are, but they then go to your search bar and type, you know, blender jar 750 manual. Okay, this is not somebody who is just random. This is somebody who probably is a customer and couldn't find what they were looking for. So there's some measurement challenges to search for the second half of the customer journey. And then there's the filling in those content challenges. And I don't think companies pay an, enough attention to each, even though it would benefit them on both the acquisition and the retention side. So I have two questions for you uh, related to that. So one, do you think that it is a disadvantage if a website does not offer some kind of site search? And two, do you use Search Console or do you use Google Analytics to figure out what people are searching for 
how they find you and what they find out, you know, from your website? Like, how do you determine that you have those content gaps? Well, I'll do that in reverse order. So you should be using Google Analytics for site search um, because it tracks it very well and it it puts it into the the interface we all know and love. Um, And then on the first part, I find that a site that does not have some search facility um, to be less functional. It's a less, it's a, it's a site that has not given serious thought to the user experience um, to say like, Hey, we know we're not the world's best UI designers. So here's a search bar in case we just did a, uh, you know, a crap job with our navigation. There's almost, there's almost kind of a, an implied arrogance to not having a search bar. Like, Oh, our design is so good. You don't need a search bar. When the rest of us are like, I can't find shit on your site because you know you made it with all dance, you made your menus entirely out of emoji. Why did you? Why would you do that? And um, and so, yeah, I think modern sites should have some kind of search facility because the other risk you run into then is if your site doesn't have on-site search, people will go back to Google. And then they start Googling things and you could potentially actually attract them to a competitor. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I was looking for this thing. I couldn't find it. Like, oh, 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 look, there's this other site that offers, you know, analytics consulting. You should check them out. And suddenly now you may have introduced competition you didn't even, you didn't even necessarily want. So you're saying, I just want to back up a little. So you're saying that there's an implied arrogance to a lack of some sort of a site search. But I would counter with, it's a lack of understanding of how important making your site searchable is. And maybe that's a lack of understanding about SEO in general, that you're thinking, well, I don't have a blog, therefore I don't need site search because there's nothing to search on my site. I don't have content. And so do you think that maybe there's a disconnect of, well, no, there is content on your website. The fact that you have a website in general means that you have some sort of searchable content even if your site is only you know like my personal site even if it's only five pages big i still want to make it as easy as possible so do you think that maybe you know i'm I'm sure that there is a arrogance where my site is so great and so intuitive i don't need to include a site search but i would also argue that there's the other side of it where it's a lack of understanding of how important site search and seo is even if you don't have a blog for example I think the root cause is not being customer centric, right? Whatever the reason, you know, confusion, delusion, arrogance, whatever. It, it comes down to you're not thinking like the customer. You're thinking mm-hmm. from your the company perspective, and mm-hmm. you're forgetting, yeah, customers are customers don't live in your world. Customers don't li- see that site twenty times a day because it's their homepage and know it, you know, like the back of their hands. They a lot of them, depending on your analytics, could be like the first time they've ever come and visited your site. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's that lack of customer centricity. As as cliched and as beaten to death as that term is, it's still true. You have to think like the average customer who doesn't live in our world all day. Well, and so I. I know the answer to this question, but I feel like we should explore it is what's the solution to that, Chris? Well, in general, it's I with a search in particular, I roll out the feature and measure it. If nobody uses site search, then yeah, you didn't have a problem, right? Um, but if suddenly you start seeing 20, 30, 50, 100,000 queries for stuff that you thought was obvious on your site, then you know that there's an issue. 
there's an issue that you need to either resolve through content or through navigation, one of those uh, two things. But it always comes down to, you know, put it, put it up, test it, see what happens and see see how people behave. And, and also in the navigation, please make it obvious a magnifying glass is two pixels high is not helping anyone. I would build on that and say, do some actual UX testing with your customers. And so one of the, you know, more straightforward uh, user experience exercises is to, you know, literally put the website in front of someone and say, you know, find, you know, my Blender instruction manual, you know, and then you just record the session. You know, obviously you let them know that's what you're doing, but then you watch and see like, where are those pitfalls? Like, is it intuitive? Because you have a big button on your homepage that says, click here to get the Blender, you know, instruction manual, or, you know, they start looking for things like, well, where's your search bar? Or where's your, you know, resources? Or where's your this, where's your that? And so having that conversation helps you understand the way that people who aren't you, who like, you're too close to it, people who aren't you are thinking about, so you can sort of get a lot from that conversation of, you know, asking them to complete a task and having them walk through what they're thinking as they're completing that task and where they're stumbling. That would really inform a lot of those features, Chris, that you're mentioning rolling out. And the reason I say that, that you would start with that is because rolling out a new feature on a website is not as easy for every company as it is, for example, Trust Insights, because it's literally just you and I, and we can kind of do whatever we want with our website. We don't have, you know, hundreds of meetings and, you know, forms and budgets and these things. Like, we don't do it willy nilly, but we do it in such a way that we're agile and we can roll things out. And so just sort of that alternative to people who don't have the luxury of just rolling out a feature and testing it. You know, you bring up something really important there. Uh, we talked a few episodes back about people using Microsoft Clarity, which is a UX tool uh, similar to like Hotjar and stuff like that. And it occurs to me, if you've got a setup and, you know, all the privacy disclosures and stuff are updated on your website, you could filter down a Clarity just to people who used the search function on your website and then watch their user journeys, watch that whole visit, that whole session go, what did this person try to do that they even needed to use the search bar? And that would give you some of that user testing. The other thing that uh, comes to mind is when you look at services like Google Site Surveys, which is part of Google Surveys, you can install a little widget on your site that asks those common four questions. You know, did you accomplish what you set out to do today on the website and things like that? And it's, and it's a little pop-up and you get a couple of hundred responses a quarter, enough to tell you, ah, yeah, the, uh, our site's not not getting the job done here. Uh, or yeah, people are, are, are generally satisfied. So those website satisfaction surveys, uh, I believe, I think it's for an on-site survey, it's a penny per response and you get uh, the first 200 every quarter for free. There's no reason not to put that on. I mean, if you can't find $2 in your marketing budget, eh, something's gone wrong. Yeah, I think one of the first questions that always asks is, did you find what you're looking for? And that's even something that, um, you know, if you have uh, one of those automated chat bots on your website, I see them pop up all the time. Did you find what you're looking for? That's a great question to start with because people are obviously on your website to find out information or do something with you. So if they say no, okay, that's a big deal. I mean, you know, in a world where going shopping at physical stores was a little bit more normal and safe, 
one of the first things the cashier asks is, did you find everything that you were looking for? And normally you just say like, yeah, okay, like I'm ready to leave. But a lot of times people say, no, I didn't. And, you know, I've done that with Cashews Group. Like, actually, I was looking for, you know, the following three things and I didn't find them. Can you help me? And it's just such a great question to start with because it's an open-ended question. You know, some people might be like, yep, I'm good. Stop talking to me. Or like, it opens up this, you know what, the layout of your store is not very intuitive, Trader Joe's. And I can't find... <laughs> a gosh darn thing on all of those packed shelves. And really, I just want to get some jingle jangle and you can't tell me where it is because it changes every year. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> it's interesting because actually, you know, in terms of story layouts, I mean, it's just because I know my store really well by now, but I, I know I'm in trouble finding things here. But yeah, no, anytime that somebody is uh, running into interface issues, it's also an upsell opportunity. Right? It's it's one of those things. Uh, there's a, a quote, one of my favorite quotes, any opportunity to be helpful is an opportunity to earn money, right? That's it. So when you think about site search, you are, have an opportunity to be helpful, which means you have an opportunity to upsell or at the very least to retain the customer. So to circle back, how do we measure the customer retention aspect of, of search? Because it's pretty easy to measure acquisition, right? You know, forms filled out, shopping carts filled, et cetera. How do we measure not losing a customer because our site, you know, royally annoyed them? I think we, you know, you run surveys, you do those, you have to do quantitative and qualitative measurement. And so you need to ask people, you know, are you willing? So, for example, like if you ever have to call your cable company, which is a pain in the butt, the first thing they ask you on the call is, are you willing to take a brief survey at the conclusion of this call? And so you can do the same thing on your website, or you can have people, you know, click a box to say, is it okay if one of our representatives calls you and asks you about your experience on our website? So there's that qualitative aspect, but then there's also the quantitative aspect of, you know, Chris, you had mentioned rolling out new features, doing that A-B testing. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can test to make sure that people are finding what they need, but you can also pair that with your returning user data from Google Analytics, your retention data, your, you know, um, return sales data, um, you know, people who purchase multiple times, you know, so there's a lot of different ways to measure it. I don't, I think it really depends on your customer experience and your website but there's a lot of different metrics that you could use in order to understand if you're getting SEO right for that second half of your customer journey. Yeah, I think if you were to take a lot of the scores from like surveys, particularly if you do the like the website satisfaction survey, and you have an ongoing actual analytics and data, and you, you look at that with your returning user data, and then you dig into your CRM, and you look at things like, you know, either form generations because you do have existing customers at least in our business filling out you know uh additional content to to watch our webinars and things but more importantly you look at your churn numbers and things particularly if you're like a, a large high volume b2c transactional business um and run a correlation analysis and if you see that your your basket of customer satisfaction numbers and your basket of churn numbers strongly correlate then you could make a case that yeah we need to do some testing here because these numbers are too close to be comfortable. It's like, yeah, maybe we really are like are pissing off all of our, our customers. And that that's, you know, that's contributing to the churn rate. Um, so just as you can do attribution analysis for 
customer acquisition, you absolutely can apply the same mathematical principles to your existing customers where the outcome you're measuring instead of acquisition is churn and say like, okay, what data, what variables seem to have a relationship with that churn number? And what can we do to bring that number down? Uh, maybe it is website satisfaction. Maybe it's too many emails. You know, maybe, you know, it's, it's uh, our CEO stormed the Capitol. I mean, who knows what the reasons could be. Um, but there's any number of things and without that quantitative analysis, like you said, it's hard to, to, to tease that up, but it is a knowable thing. Well, even, you know, just starting with looking at, do I have returning users to my website is probably a good place to start. You know, so that's an indication even before you go down the road of retention SEO, why aren't people coming back to your website? What is the function of your website that people don't return to it? Is it purely transactional? They buy one washing machine every six years and they never return? then you probably don't need to worry too much about it unless you're trying to house instruction manuals. But if you're a site like ours where you want people to get information, you want people to sign up for services, keep coming back for different services, you know, find it as a training resource, all those different things, then you probably want to have a high number of returning users. So I would start there. Yep. I would also look at your churn of your email list. That's an easy proxy for figuring out do people care about us anymore? Like, granted, it has to mean also that your email is worth reading. Uh, but if you're sending out a lot of email volume and you're noticing you've got a lot of churn on your list, like, yeah, you may not be satisfying customers anymore. So give these ideas some thought. SEO is, can be applied to the second half of the customer journey. You can measure it and you can figure out what are the things that have a relationship to audience churn, to acquisition churn, and of course, to customer churn. I mean, if you figure those things out, um, the old maxim that it costs more to acquire a customer than just to keep it uh, will help you boost your numbers and make your job as a marketer less difficult because every delighted customer is also becomes a marketing channel for you. If you got questions about this episode or anything we've talked about today, pop on over to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. Join our Slack group with over 1,500 other marketers just like you who are interested in talking all things analytics, data, marketing, strategy, you name it. And where it is that you're consuming this show, hop on over to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Want help solving your company's data analytics and digital marketing problems? Visit trustinsights.ai today and let us know how we can help you.